Hey there, everyone. What an incredible time that we've had up to this point. And man, we're just going to take a deep dive today. Hey, I'm going to ask you on the onset, I'm going to ask you two favors. Number one, I'm going to ask you to give to me, all right? I'm going to ask you to give to me what we're actually going to talk about today. I'm going to ask you to give me some grace today, okay? Give me some grace today. Can you offer me some grace today? Listen, I know you may be at home, you may be in a living room, you may be in a kitchen, you may be in your car, wherever you are, but I'm going to ask you to give me some grace today because so many times with our online broadcast, you know, we know that you're everywhere and, you know, you could be anywhere at any time watching this and we know that there can be so many things that can distract us. And so we really try to give you not just bullet points and highlights. We want to give you the meat, but at the same time, we have an understanding of how you may be receiving this. But I want you to give me some grace today. And then the second thing, I'm going to ask you for this. I'm going to ask you to go deeper with me today. Listen, no matter where you're at, I'm going to ask you to take the time to go deeper with me today. And as we go deeper today, I promise you, we are going to hit a vein. We're going to hit a place in the Lord that I feel is so important for where we are right now. Listen, 2021, we have been talking about focusing on God's promises, not being distracted by everything that's going on around us, but it's more about what's happening in us rather than what's going on around us. And so I'm gonna ask you to take a deep dive with me today because our promise this week is found in Paul's second letter to the followers of Christ in the region of Corinth. So this is his second letter. His first letter um, wasn't as personal. I mean, he was just hitting the, the foundations of the faith. He was, he was reminding them of so many things that Jesus taught. And it seems like that first letter may not have hit the mark for Paul. Maybe what he was seeing out of their lives was not lining up with that first letter. And so he comes with a second letter and if you read this second letter uh, from Paul to these followers, to these believers in Jesus, you can tell that this time he is very personal. He is very, very transparent. He's beginning to talk about his own hardships and even the hardships of others who are serving the Lord around that region and outside of that region. He gets very, very transparent. Not that he wasn't in the first letter, but this second letter just takes on a different feel and a different vibe. And so this second letter, Paul points them to the core of every issue of life. Like the very core of every issue of life, and that is our heart. I remember when we first just jumped into this whole thing, COVID hit, man, locked down, all this stuff was going on. And we were in the middle of a series we were calling Matters of the Heart. And I can remember talking about it all flows from that place in the heart. And Paul is dealing with that in this second letter about our heart. Our motives matter. It's not just about what we do, but why are we doing it? Because Jesus is instructing, hey, it's not about the law says do these things irregardless of your heart. But Jesus comes and flips the script and says, you're doing all these things, but there is no eternal value in what you're doing because your motives are wrong. Your heart, 
Your heart is for your own benefit, your own gain. Your heart is not for the kingdom. Your heart is not for the heart of God. And so our, our, our heart, our motives matter. So let's take a look at our promise this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. This is our promise this week. And there are some key words in here I want you to pick up on. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, and God is able to make all grace. Come on, say that with me, all. Put that in the chat, all caps, all, <laughs> right? All. And God is able to make all, again, all caps. Now, don't send me an email with all caps. Don't send an email to Dallas in all caps, but put all caps, A-L-L, all right? Put that in the chat right now, all. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, like Paul is saying, listen, all, always. He's not leaving any room for partial, uh, being partial. No partial, no halfway. He's saying all. He says that you always have all sufficiency in all things and may have an abundance for every good work. Listen, our title today is Grace for Every Good Work. Paul is saying here that God is able to make all grace abound to you. And why is he saying that all grace abound to you so that you can do these things? Because he's saying, we're not just doing these things in the natural. There's a supernatural element to this. There is a spiritual at atmosphere. There is a spiritual element to this. And in that spiritual element, what makes it spiritual? Grace. The grace of God. That grace would abound to you. All grace would abound to you. That you would have all sufficiency. Everything you need to do, everything you need to do in the kingdom has been provided to you through grace. That's the promise of God. God says, I will give you all the grace you need, all the sufficiency you need for all things that you need to do, and you will have an abundance, an overflow for every good work. Now, some of you, as soon as I said that word abundance, you immediately thought of money, and that is a perversion of the word of God. We have been taught some garbage over the years, y'all. We have been taught some garbage over the years as it has to do with money and possessions and how somehow those things show the world kind of your relationship with Jesus. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's just another work of the flesh. Money's not in the fruit of the Spirit. Possessions aren't in the fruit of the Spirit. It's all about heart issues, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, self-control. I mean, come on, self-control. God is able to give all grace to abound to you for all things, all sufficiency, in an abundance for every good work. And here's Paul's point. As followers of Jesus, our motivation is grace. Our motivation isn't what I can get. Our motivation isn't, hey, this is going to make me look good or, hey, this is going to shine a, a great light on me. It's going to make people like me. It's going to make people love me. It, he's saying our motive, none of that. Our motive is grace. That's our motive. 
In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, the economy of the kingdom of God, it is not of ourselves, but it's of God's grace. It's not of ourselves. Hey, I'm super gifted, man. My talent, my ability, my this, my this, my this. But listen, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. It's his. It's all his. Listen, I can remember years and years ago, um, right here on campus, I gave somebody some money at the beginning of our gathering, right? And I forget how much it was. It may have been a $50 bill or something like that. And I gave him this bill and I said, hey, when I ask for this in the middle of this message, I want you to just, no hesitation, just run as fast as you can and hand it back to me. And so we were in the message and I, I said, hey, and I said something about that and boom, they came right up and handed it to me. And the point was this, they realized that what I gave them wasn't theirs. I had told them, listen, I'm gonna give this to you but when I ask for it, I want you to give it back. Don't even think about it. Give it back to me. And here was the principle. When I gave it to them, I let them know this is not yours. And because they knew that, then they had no problem releasing it back to me. Listen, when we see that everything we have is God's, then there is no, we're not living close-handed. We're living open-handed. We're not living with, with close fists and selfishness and greed, but we're living open-handed. One thing we do on campus all the time is, you know, whoever's leading worship, they'll talk about, hey, put your hands out in front of you and leave your hands open because whatever God brings to us, whatever God gives to us, whatever gifts God gives to us, we're not closing our hands. We're receiving what he's giving us, but we're gonna use it and give it back to him. When you realize that it's all God's, then you're not close-fisted. And now you don't have to be a disgruntled, angry, you know, I can't believe I had to give this. Now the giving that you, you do is now has joy in it. Why? Because it's grace for every good work. It goes beyond our natural ability. Paul in, the, in, the, in this letter to the Corinthians is pretty awesome because if you didn't really know Paul's heart, you were thinking that he would put this group of people against, he was pitting this group of people against this group of people because he's talking about these people, the Macedonians. And he's telling the people at Corinth, hey, like, what is your deal? Like, check these people out. Look what these people have been doing. Are you kidding me? Like you would almost think if you didn't know Paul's heart, he's saying, hey, look at the Macedonians, Corinthians. You guys are behind the eight ball. You guys need to catch up. Look at them. They're in worse conditions than you guys. They're being persecuted. They don't have anything and they're doing this. Man, look at you guys. He's not really saying that. What he's saying is, man, look at how God, look at how the grace of God is moving through that group of people. He's not saying, look at the Macedonians and how awesome they are. He's saying, look at the grace of God upon their lives. Look at what God is doing beyond their natural ability. In the culture we live in in America, we are so awed by people's talents and their gifts. When we look at them, all we can see is that natural gifting and we're drawn to that natural gifting and thereby we begin to idolize those people because of their gifting. See, that's not the kingdom of God. That's not what grace is all about. Listen, His grace empowers us beyond our natural ability, whether it's our time, 
whether it's our talent, which is our giftings, or whether it's our quote-unquote treasure, our resources, our provision, whatever that is, our homes, our cars, our, our checking account, our savings account, our time that we invest in work or, or serving or the time that we invest in preaching the gospel or editing these videos or, or the treasure, you know, the talent within us, the giftings, you know, that we have, whatever those giftings are, editing stuff, speaking, singing, whatever those giftings are, uh, the ability to encourage people, the ability to build faith, whatever those things are, God wants to go beyond our natural ability and get us into a place in the supernatural where his grace, listen, our natural abilities will not provide for every good work we need to do, but his grace will. His grace will give us the all. Our natural abilities will only give us partial. Our natural abilities will only give us a part of it, but his grace will bring us into the all. Every good work that we need to do, his grace is sufficient to do that beyond our ability. And listen, this is a promise from God, which means what? It's yes and what? Amen. Like he has said it. He has put it in the, in the heavens and the earth. He has stamped it upon our lives. It's a promise. And God says that he would give us grace Listen, we give all of these things, our talent, our time, our treasure in response to God's work in our heart. That's why we give it. It's our response to God's love and his grace for us. Paul uses the Macedonians believer, Macedonian believers as an example. If you go back in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, he says this in uh, 2 Corinthians 8.1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, he's saying affliction and joy, those things don't go together, but he's saying the grace of God is upon them. So in their affliction, there's an abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches. Affliction, joy. Poverty, riches. Those words don't go together in our culture. But God says that in your poverty, you can have an abundance of riches. How is that possible? Because his grace is sufficient for every good work that they may have a lack uh, or a need in the natural, but in the supernatural, they were overflowing with richness. And then it goes on to say this, verse three uh, of chapter eight, for I bear witness that according to their ability, their ability, their natural ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were willing to give freely. Not just with their ability, but beyond your, your ability. How can you go beyond your ability? If all you have is your ability, how can you go beyond that? Supernatural. That's the spirit. That's the kingdom of God. And then he says something super interesting in verse 5. Because in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, Paul gives them a key. And again, it's all about the heart. What does it say? And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Listen, take a deep dive with me for a second. Don't be distracted. Don't be looking at anything else or listening to anything else. They first gave themselves to the Lord. 
That's a heart issue. He's now Lord of my life. Guess what? That changes now what happens coming from us. Now our time that's given, now our talent that's given, now our treasure that's given, guess what? Now it's all sufficiency for every situation. Grace for every good work. Why? Because we gave ourselves to the Lord first and now grace has been unlocked in our lives for every good work. What we give then is fruit of our own heart and fruit of our motives. That's what Jesus taught. Whenever he came in line with the religious and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, almost always it was about their heart. Their heart was not in the right place. Their motives were not right. And Jesus rebuked them for not having kingdom mindsets and kingdom motives. And that's why they weren't getting a quote unquote return, a spiritual, a kingdom return. Because they were doing it for the wrong reasons. He told one group of them, you're like whitewashed tomb. You look all good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. You're corrupt on the inside. Your heart is dark. And thereby, because your motives are wrong, then what comes back to you is going to look a little bit different. Let's go to one of the most misused, misapplied, yet one of the greatest examples of grace giving. Listen, give me some grace now, okay? I don't know how long we're into this, but I'm gonna give you all this today, okay? Go to Luke chapter six and verse 38, one of the most misused, misapplied, even teachings that go beyond the Bible, beyond the gospel, heresy, non-biblical, anti-Christ theology. I said it right here, live and in person, I said it, okay? Luke chapter six and verse 38. This is where I'm gonna ask for grace because you know what I did for you guys today? I didn't put everything on my computer today and I didn't write out all my verses today and I literally didn't do that so I would have to turn to it with you, right? Because sometimes speakers are speaking, whether we're on campus or online, and they're just reading off what they've already got written. And we're trying to turn to it to see it. And they've already read it and went past it. And we don't even know what was said. So I've taken the time to go with you to it, right? Turn the pages to go with you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And you probably have heard this. You've probably heard it preached a billion times. And even if not, you have probably heard it at least once. Give and it will be given unto you good measure. Come on, say that with me. Good measure. Come on, put it in the chat right now. Good measure. I know the moderator's putting it there. You put it there. Everybody put it there right now. Good measure. Press down. All right? Now you just finished putting the E on good measure. Now put press down, right? Pressed down. Shaken together, just put shaken. Shaken together and running over, just put overflow. Will be put into your bosom for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This has been misapplied, misused. Hey, give money and it'll be given back to you. And it's always about finances. It's always about money. It's all about all that stuff. That's not the context of the passage. Doesn't even say anything about it. It's not there. Now, does that mean that God doesn't mean that 
you know, if you give, something won't come back. That's not, but the way this has been misused, it's not correct theology. Whatever you give is coming back, okay? And where do the terms good measure, pressed down, shaken together come from? Good measure, right? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Where does it come from? Farming. All right? That's where those terms come from. Farming. In the culture in Israel, why is Jesus even telling them this? Why is he saying it this way? Why is he telling them this parable this way? Because they're totally going to understand what he's saying. Harvest times, there were two sets of harvesters. So you had the paid harvesters who would come in. They would be in the middle of the field. They would, they would pack in. Listen, they're not being paid by what's pressed down into that. They're normally being paid probably by the hour or by the day. So it doesn't matter for them. I don't have to have it overflowing. I'm going to gather it. I'm going to take it to the barn or whatever transportation device we have. I'm gonna, and I'm going right back. And I'm going to put in. And I'm going right back. And I'm going to put in. And I'm, all day long, that's what they're doing. So it doesn't matter. They're being paid. But there was a second group of harvesters, the poor. And the corners of the field were left for the poor. And what were they doing? Well, they weren't being paid to harvest. The corners were left for the poor. That was for their substance, their provision for their families. So when they came, it wasn't that they were getting paid to something and it didn't matter. To them, it may have been a matter of life and death. It may have been a matter of, are we going to survive this winter or not? So what did they do? They took what was in that corner and they put it in that basket. And what did they do? They pressed it down. Why? Because they're trying to get as much as they possibly can to sustain the family. You got to have good measure, not partial or half. Press it, compress it for more room. Top it off, shake it to eliminate any air that's in there. Pour in as much as you can until it comes above the rim and spills out. Why? Because my family may not survive if I don't do this. When Jesus speaks these terms, they get it. They're like, oh, okay. And Jesus is saying that whatever you give, it's being measured. He was saying in the kingdom... Listen, Jesus knew they would understand what he was saying. And he was saying in the kingdom, grace giving, you always get back more than you gave. Not money, right? Think of this. You give away an apple seed by planting it. What do you get back at harvest time? You get a tree. What's on that tree? Apples, plural. What are in those apples? seeds, plural. You gave a seed to be planted, but now you've harvested a tree full of apples that are full of seeds. You get back more than what you gave. Did you get it immediately? No. Does that mean that you're getting finances back from those apples? No, because when you get that harvest back, it may not be for you to sell and to get money from. It may be for you to feed your family. Listen, for some of you today, you know what your harvest is? Your family is fed today. That's pressed down, shaken together, given back to you. 
And when our kids and when our family, they do things for other people, guess, what's that, guess what that's doing? Press down, shaking together, running over that which we seeded into their lives. When we give our kids godly advice, when we pray over our kids and all of a sudden they tell somebody else and they tell somebody else and they tell somebody else, guess what? Our advice, our godly advice we gave now is coming back to us, pressed down, shaking together, running over and overflowing. Some call it paying it forward. Like, that's what the Lord is saying in this. Listen, we can buy the lie, given it shall be given as our get-rich-quick scheme, but that is the ultimate lie. Because in this, what did Jesus say right before that? Judge not, condemn not, forgive, and it will be forgiven. Jesus says, Judgment, condemnation, forgiveness, mercy, time, your talent, joy, kindness, yes, resources, money, whatever is coming back, the key is your heart. That's the key. Your heart. If your heart is the Lord's, then you have grace for every good work. Press down, shaken together. All, all, always, all, Every. All sufficiency, all things for all situations, for every good work. God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the lifestyle of giving. Let me just say this. Let me break another lie down. No. God is not against your talents outside the church or God's not against that. No, God's not against you playing guitar and singing for fun. Or if you have a talent to, to, to quote unquote make money, maybe God's given you an entrepreneurial spirit. God's not against you using that for blessing for your family. God's not against your time and having fun. God's not against nice things. He is against a selfish, guilt-ridden heart. See, not only can you be a selfish, quote-unquote, giver, but you can be a guilt-ridden giver. See, you can be somebody who gives, you know, you, you just give, and you don't give beyond your ability. Some give less than their ability, and it's because of selfishness. Well, if I do this, I can't have this, or I can't have this. But then there's another part, and that is guilt. What does that mean? That means in a moment, God speaks to you and you're like, man, God told me to do this. And you do it. And once you do it, instead of releasing it and giving it to God, guess what happens? You keep your heartstrings tied to it. And now you start to feel guilty that you gave it. Now you start to begin to make excuses why you shouldn't have given it. And you know what you're doing? You're cutting off the grace for every good work. Now the enemy comes and overshadows all that. Listen, there is grace for every good work to those who give themselves to the Lord. So I'm almost done. Not quite yet, though. I told you, deep dive. Give me grace. Proverbs 16.2 gives us an amazing insight. It says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit's. Or the motives. James said it this way. James 4. 
You ask and do not receive because you ask, I think the New King James says, amiss. One translation says, your motives are wrong. You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because your motivation is wrong. Joshua 1.8 says, do not depart from this law. Speak it, declare it. But then it says this, and do it according to the word. Do it and then you will be prosperous. And then, not just that you say it, not just that you read it, but that you do it and then it opens up. And then Philippians says it this way. Philippians 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Grace for every good work. Let's go back to it again, our promise. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, come on, say it right now, me. God's talking about me. Well, say that, say that out loud. God's talking about me. May abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God's given you 168 this week. That's 168 hours you have this week. And guess what? God has given you His grace so that in that 168, you can maximize that, not by adding more things to your schedule, but by being more effective for His kingdom. Because when you have grace, when the grace of God is on you, when your motives are right and your heart is good with the Lord, when you, when you give yourself to the Lord first, now everything that you give goes beyond your ability. And as you give it, whether it's your time, your giftings, whatever it is, joy, and guess what? It's coming back to you. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. You know, this may be just because of where I'm living right now. But I can remember as we were raising our girls. And I would think, man, God, this is, this is hard. Like being a dad is hard. It's not that I didn't know that it was going to be hard, but when you're living it, it's just hard. Man, Lord, it's hard saying no. Man, Lord, it's even hard saying yes. Sometimes saying yes to them hurts because my flesh wants me, and when you're a parent, it's not all about you. So it has to go beyond your natural inclinations, right? And God gave grace for every good work over and over and over, and now our kids are adults, and and now I'm beginning to understand why grandparents say, man, they're just something different. I don't love them more. It's just different. Why is that? As I'm about to step into a, a life of being a pawpaw, right? I think that's maybe what I'm going to be called. I'm not sure. Who knows? It may be one of those really goofy, weird, and I really don't want that. So would y'all please pray for me? I really don't want to be peepaw or you know, peppy or whatever they come up with, you know, because they had a they had a bubble in their stomach or whatever when they were three months old and all of a sudden now 
you know, my daughters are like, oh, you're going to be, please, Lord Jesus, no, just pawpaw, that's fine with me. That's it. P-A-W, P-A-W, pawpaw. I'm living in this realm right now that I'm realizing that in the raising of them and sowing those seeds, that my days of pressed down, shaken together, and running over are coming back to me. Not just because of one singular child being born, but what that one singular child being born means. It means that when I gave joy to my girls, now it's going to be given back. Why? Because they're going to give it. They're going to give it. They're going to give it to their kids. They're going to give it to their husbands. They're going to give it to their friends. They're going to give it to their family, their extended family. And that means in the kingdom, that's coming back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's called legacy. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just pay things forward just because I can. I want grace for every good work that it goes beyond my natural ability. And so today... I've given you, I've given the Lord first, but I've shared my time with you and you have shared your time with me. And if our heart is right, guess what? God is gonna do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think out of this moment because we gave ourselves to the Lord first and then to one another. And now God's gonna tell other people and other people and other people and then it's coming back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Well, how's it coming back to me, Scott? I don't know. It could be that maybe at work, all of a sudden they say, hey, go home early. And you're like, wow, I have an hour and a half. I didn't know I had. It's coming back to you. It may be that you're out on a walk one day and you just stop and you glance at a skyline and you're like, wow, what a day. It's coming back to you. Yes, indeed. It may be that maybe you're in the stock market or you're, Something and God blesses you that way or you sell a property and God blesses you and that's awesome and that's great, but is the Lord first when you get that? When we get those things coming back to us, are we open-handed because we realize that God has given us grace for every good work? So, lastly, thank you. Thank you for giving me a little extra today. Thank you for sharing this moment with me and giving me some grace today to just give you everything that's in my heart for you. We're living in interesting times. We're living in interesting times. A lot of things people are saying. People are fearful and anxious and all those things. But here's how we have started 2021. For all the promises of God in Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And God will give us all sufficiency for all things and he will provide for every, his grace will give us, provide for us for every good work. That's where our focus is. Listen, today, instead of me just praying us out and everything, can we just position ourselves to worship the Lord today? And let's give that to the Lord. Let's give that to the Lord. 
that worship, our time, let's give it to the Lord. Let's sing, let's worship, let's cry, let's laugh, let's repent, let's rejoice. Wherever you're at today, man, as the team is just worshiping the Lord and we are all worshiping together, would you just say, Lord, I just want to give you myself first so that I can have grace for every good work. Man, I love you, love you, love you. And I thank the Lord for you. Come on, let's worship together.